Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, we look to you now because we realize, Lord, that you are the one who made this great invitation. So help us, Lord, to hear you this morning, to hear your invitation as we look at it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Isaiah 55.1, if you follow along, please, Isaiah 55.1, which says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. He that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore, Do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself. Fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make you an everlasting covenant, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness of the people, a leader and commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew thee not shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God. For the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his troubles and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my, your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are high in the earth, So are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. It shall accomplish that for which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains of the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Okay, now I read this whole portion just to give a bit of a background because this is one of the most beautiful invitations in Scripture. It's an invitation that's unusual like no other invitation. It starts with the word ho, ho, which has behind it a meaning of urgency, urgency. So when God starts this invitation with the word ho, it's really God saying, quick, quick, don't delay, don't procrastinate. And in essence, it's like this invitation, like God's invitations, they're kind of like date stamped, like the coupons you get where it says at the bottom, this coupon is valid until this date. Well, that's what God's invitations are. And this is what this invitation is. This is an invitation to come to God but it has an expiration date on it. And the tragedy in life is that most people delay and they procrastinate and they want to think about it to the point where it becomes too late. It's beyond the expiration date. 
And so God looks at a person's response to his invitation to come to him. And if the person delays and makes excuses, and we can see this when the Lord Jesus called people, and he made this analogy, he said in Luke 9.59, Luke 9.59, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid farewell, which are at home at my house. Those are the worst words that a person can say to God. Let me first go. Let me first do this. Let me first do that. Let me first go. And then I'll come. And we can see what happened to those who God called and they didn't respond. A terrible thing happened to them that's given to us in Proverbs 124. Proverbs 124 says, God speaking, because I have called and you refused, I stretched forth my hand, no man regarded. This morning in the breaking of bread, Brother Ken was talking about how people are not interested, just not interested. But he says, God goes on in Proverbs 125, Proverbs 125, but you have set at naught all my counsel and would none of my reproof. Then the tragic words, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock. When your fear cometh to desolation and your destruction comes as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. Now, this is one of the most awful descriptions that you could possibly imagine of someone calling out to God for help and no help comes. It reminds me of two American girls, American young ladies, that decided, they took this decision to kayak from Loretto over to the island on the other side there, Sea of Cortez, Carmen Island. It's only about six miles away. And they left late in the afternoon, and they got tired, and the sun set, and it was dark, and they had a radio. They had a radio with them, and they called for help. But they couldn't give their location and the batteries in the radio, they just died. And what was heard, their last words were, we are cold. And the next morning they found them both dead in their kayaks. They died from exposure. They called, no one helped. They called, no one came. Those who wanted to help, but they didn't know where they were. So here's an even worse situation where people are calling to God for help and God has made the decision to not help them. Why? Because when God called, they did not respond. And that's what's behind the word ho in verse 1. God's saying, quick, quick, come and obey God's command to come. And the gospel is really God's command to come. And to refuse that command is very dangerous. So he says, quick. The Bible says, respond now, respond today. It says in Psalm 95.7, Psalm 95.7, here's our God. We are the sheep of his pasture, and today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart, as in the provocation in the day of temptation. The reason that God gives for everyone to stop and listen to God is because we are the sheep of his creation. We're created by him. And the worst response that a person can have is, well, you know, I don't need that religious stuff. 
So we see that God, we see God who invites him to come. He then says who he's inviting. And he says, ho, everyone that thirsteth. So this is an invitation, not just to the Jewish people. This is an invitation, not just to religious people. This is an invitation to everyone that has one simple criteria, one simple criteria. They have to feel thirstiness in their soul. There has to be this deep longing, a thirsting for God. There's got to be a thirst for cleansing from sin. There's got to be a thirst for real peace. There's got to be a thirst for knowing true security, this desire to want to be cared for by God. This is what the servants of God have. They have this protection. It's called the heritage of the Lord in Isaiah 54, 17. Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me. This is where God protects a person from every weapon that's formed against them. This is where God protects a person from every condemning voice, especially the condemning, accusing voice of the adversary, of Satan that's pointing out sin, this sin, that sin, and and God steps in and says, no, 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 their righteousness is not of themselves, their righteousness is of me. And so God's invitation is to those who have a thirst for this kind of protection. They have a thirst for a home in heaven. They have a thirst for all these things, and only if a person feels this thirstiness inside is he really a candidate to respond to God's call. Because by calling out the thirsty, God is just excluding the person who excludes himself. In other words, this invitation is not for strollers. It's not for those who just want to stroll in. It's not for looky-loos that want to come. And this is kind of an exclusive call to the thirsty. And that's why he says in Matthew eleven fifteen, Matthew eleven fifteen, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. So in other words... Those that are happy with this world, those that are happy with all the world has to offer, those that have really gotten from the world and they're not looking for any more in life, they're not invited. They're not invited. It reminds me of my friend Oscar, an electrician, whose wife was a Christian, and Oscar said very clearly to his wife, he says, I do not want to believe in God. Here's what he said. He said, I'm not interested in believing God. I want to believe in God. Well, they had marital problems. The marriage was in danger of breaking up, and Oscar was doing a lot of work for wealthy people, and the wealthy people were being hard on Oscar, criticizing his work, calling him name, and so forth like that. And so all because of this pressure, Oscar decided to turn to God, and he believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And now, now he has peace in his home, unity in his home. Well, all because Oscar became thirsty because of pressure in his soul. So the invitation is for those that are thirsty. Now, the two reasons why a person would not feel thirsty is because, number one, he's happy with his life. He's satisfied with the world. He's not thirsty for anything. He has no sense of need. And second, because a person is just happy with their own righteousness. In other words, they feel like, look, I'm not as bad as others, so I'm kind of middle of the road, and I don't see any real reason for having a righteousness from God for me. I'm not thirsty. No sense of need. But for those who do thirst for more and more than what they have obtained in life, and then the Lord says, come, you come. Ho, everyone that is thirsty. And he invites them to come to the waters. He says, just like the Lord Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, when the Lord Jesus says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest unto your souls. 
So his call there is for those who feel thirsty because they're striving in life, because they're tired of life. But his offer is to give rest an easier way. It's all about these choices here. So he extends this invitation to the thirsty, and especially he calls on Israel to remember. Remember what it was like. Don't ever forget. He tells the Jewish people, don't ever forget what it was like for you when you were in Egypt. He says in Psalm 81, Psalm 81.10, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thou my mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people would not hearken to my voice. Israel would not of me. So I gave them up unto their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. I should have soon subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto him, and their time should have endured. He should have fed them also with the finest of wheat and honey out of the rock. So this psalm, Psalm 81, answers some key questions that people have today. First, for example, a person says, why should I let God run my life? Why do I need him to run my life? And God's answer is, from Psalm 81, verse 10, because I brought thee out of the land of Egypt. So God is saying, look at Israel And remember how God delivered them from the tyrannical oppression of Egypt. And then a person says, okay, so what should I do? What should I do when I turn to God? And God gives the answer to that in verse 10. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. So he's saying, just come to God. Come to God with the needs of your life. Like a hungry bird, just open your mouth and let God fill it. And then a person says, What have I done wrong in my life? I'm not a murderer. I'm not an adulterer. So what's my great sin? And God answers this in verse 11, Psalm 81, 11, Psalm 81, 11. My people would not hearken to my voice. Israel would not of me. So God's saying, you would not listen to me. You would have nothing to do with me as God, as the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the sin. And a person says, okay, so I have nothing to do the Lord Jesus. I have nothing to do with Jesus. I have nothing to do with him in my life. What will God do to me? What will happen to me? God answers this question in Psalm 81, 12. Verse 12, verse 12, Psalm 81. So I gave them up to their own heart's lusts. They walked in their own counsels. So God says, I just left them alone. That's what I did. Reminds me of when Larry King was interviewing Ruth Graham Lotz, the daughter of Billy Graham. And it was after 9-11. And uh, Larry King said to her, so where was God in the 9-11 attack? Where was God? And Ruth Graham Lott said, well, God was exactly where we asked him to be. We asked him to leave our country. We asked him to leave our schools, to leave our courts. So he left. So this is what God is saying here. He's saying the judgment is, I'll just leave them alone. I'll just leave them alone. I'm not going to stand in their way of what they want to do. I'm not going to try to be an obstacle anymore. For they want the lust of their hearts, go for it. And let me know how that life is working out for you. In other words, I let them do what they wanted to do. And since the heart of man is desperately wicked, I let them do the wickedness they wanted to do. Then after a person has made a mess in their life and the person asks the question, does God really care? Does he care what happened to me? Yes, I was dumb. Yes, I was stupid. Yes, I ruined my life. But did God really care? Maybe he's so busy running the universe that what am I? I don't count with him. God answers this question. In verse 13, verse 13, Psalm 81, verse 13, he says, Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. So God is saying, you break my heart. 
You break my heart. You make me wish so much that you had decided to listen to me and to obey me. And when a person says, why is God's heart broken? Why is his heart broken? He answers this question in verse 14, Psalm 81, 14, 81, 14. I should have subdued their enemies, verse 15. Their time should have endured forever. That means I wanted to give them eternal life. In verse 16, he should have fed them with the finest of wheat and the honey out of the rock should have satisfied you. So God is saying this, what breaks my heart is what I was ready to do for them. And they forfeited it all by their dumb decision to turn away from me. And I'm heartbroken. God is saying, I'm heartbroken because I wanted to fight against their enemies. I wanted to give them eternal life. I wanted to satisfy them on earth with the finest of wheat and honey out of the rock, most unlikely place for honey to come. I wanted you to do all this for them, and all they had to do was just turn to me. All they had to do was just obey me, and I would have done it all. But they refused to listen. They refused to obey. And now all the good plans that I had for them, they're just shattered just because they wanted their own way instead of my way. They lost it all. And so in Isaiah 55.1, in Isaiah 55.1, we've been studying here, God invites men to come to him as the waters and drink, and they refuse to come, so they destroy themselves. There's such a common misconception today that man has, and that is that somehow God wants to hurt them. God wants to harm them. And that's not true. God wants to bless man. All man has to do is throw down the weapons of his rebellion, is throw them down against God, and turn to God in repentance and surrender to God and let God rule his life. You know, this just misconception that God wants to cast man into hell. It's not true. The reason why hell was created shows that God does not want to cast man into hell because the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 25, 41, Matthew 25, 41, then shall he say unto them on his right hand, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell is a place that is specifically prepared for the devil and his angels. The only reason that a man is cast into hell is because he's decided to join the devil and the angels, the enemies of God, instead of surrendering and repentance to God. Hell was not prepared for man. And when man is cast into hell, he ends in a place where he's not supposed to be. And can you imagine the response of man after landing in hell? In response is, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? This place was not made for me. I should not be here. And that's right. Man should not be in hell. Man has to fight his way against God to be cast into hell. Because God is the person, 1 Timothy 2.4, 1 Timothy 2.4, God will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God is, according to 2 Peter 3.9, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the most painful fire, the fire that causes the most pain for man in hell is the fire of the knowledge that hell was not created for man and that man should not be there. And can you imagine the question that demons, the devil, the demons ask man when he's cast there, what are you doing here? This place was not prepared for you. This place was prepared for us and the devil. You should not be here, but we tricked you into coming here to suffer with us for eternity. And all this is true because God did not want to cast anyone in hell. And at the cross, God made a great provision for all men to not be cast into hell. And so that's why the important question to recognize here, the important word I should say to recognize in verse one is the word ho. Quick is a response. Quick, everyone who is thirsty. 
Most people are lost because they don't respond to that one word, quick. And they delay and they procrastinate until it's too late. And then for verse 4 and then verse 1, we have these words where we've seen where it says, first, ho, means quick. Second, everyone. Not just the Jews, not just religious people. Everyone are invited. Third, thirsteth. As God's called to the thirsty who aren't satisfied. And then fourth, the word come. As God's invitation is really to come to the person of the Lord Jesus. Now, when man hears God calling him, man first thinks, well, what can I bring to God? I've got to bring something to God. I mean, I've got some good works I can present before God. Maybe I've got some money I can give to God. And so God makes it very clear that his invitation is to people who have nothing to offer God. And so man thinks he has to work his way, and man thinks that God will reward man for the eternal life for his good works, and God makes it clear. His invitation is for people who have no money. That means for people who are not coming to him with the good works in exchange for salvation. Like it says in Ephesians 2.9, Ephesians 2.9, not of works, lest any man should boast. And that's the reason. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So verse 1, the reason God invites only those who come to him with no money is because of 1 Corinthians 1.29. 1 Corinthians 1.29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Sinners, they don't have any money. Sinners, they don't have any of the money of their good works to bring to God. They're just sinners. And the Lord said, those are the ones I'm inviting. In Mark 2.17, Mark 2.17, the Lord said, when Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, they that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And he didn't come to call the good type of sinners, the good sinners. He came to call the other ones, the dirty, rotten kinds. The dirty, rotten sinners are the ones that have no money, no good works to offer God. And that's what made the difference between those religious people, very religious, who were barred from entering heaven. And the Lord Jesus talked about them in Matthew 7.21, Matthew 7.21, when he said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So the question when we see this is that, What's wrong with preaching in Jesus' name? What's wrong with preaching in Jesus' name? What's wrong with casting out devils in Jesus' name? What's wrong with doing many wonderful works in Jesus' name? I mean, what's wrong with preaching and casting out devils and doing many wonderful works that result in Jesus saying, depart from me, you that work in iniquity? Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. 
You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Friendship with God Fellowship and Tom Cantor would like to invite you to our Seder message and traditional Passover dinner on Sunday, April 14th from 4.30 to 6.30 p.m. Come join us for a special night of music, food, and a biblical perspective on the Passover Seder. Experience this event in our brand new venue, The Vine, located near the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. The cost of this event is $25 per person, and the last day to sign up is Sunday, April 7th. For more information, please call 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104. Or visit us at creationbookstore.com. That's creationbookstore.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 